Hello everyone and welcome to Beer and Bunts. My name's Chris and we'll go straight in with the tried and tested for this episode. So this uh, tried and tested is from Phantom Bruco and it's called Bone Idols Funland. Now this is a beer that I you may have seen on my social media. Uh, I discovered it when I went to a burger place called Seven Bone in Coventry. Can't say I've ever heard of it before I had actually turned up. Um, first of all, food is absolutely amazing. Very surprising. A little bit pricey, but worth every penny. Uh, but also, they, uh, this is one of the beers that they had specially made for them. So, essentially, it's... I'll read you the blurb off the front of the can. Um, it's a double dry hop, juicy pale hop bomb. In fact, it's juicier than being slapped around the chops by the Tango Man in 1992. And hoppier than No Neck Ed stubbing his toe because he got mayo in his eyes. That is actually genuinely what it says on the front of the can. Which, you know... I'm all about. It's got some character, got some personality, you know, so I suppose really the best thing I can do is kind of give you a quick review of the beer um, and then we can kind of work from there. But so on the aroma, typical kind of double dry hop pale, so you can get that hoppiness, you can smell the fruitiness straight from the off. There is a, it's like a light golden colour, very hazy, um, but of course, most important thing, let's find out how it tastes. Okay, so with the initial swig, it's very smooth on the palate. Um, you get fruitiness bursting throughout, so slightly two different fruits. I can't really, they're quite tropical in their sense. Very subtle, ironically enough for a double dry hop, subtle hoppiness throughout. But there's no single part where, you know, it gets strong at the beginning or strong at the end. It's just a nice, consistent flavour throughout it. And to be honest, it's one of those beers that would be absolutely perfect in a lovely sunny environment with a barbecue on the go. Um, it's just so delicate and easy drinking. Um, trying to think of any other flavors I can pick up. Yeah, so a little bit of bit to, to start off with. You get the juiciness, extra burst of juice as it goes through. You get, the hoppiness is more of a feeling rather than an overall flavour. It's like you can tell it's there, you can feel the hoppiness, you can feel the bitterness, but it's not overpowering in any particular stretch. It's really, really pleasant, and I, I can't big it up enough, if I'm honest. I said I've never heard of the place, never tried a beer before, but that beer is an absolute triumph. It's one I could order plenty of, and when I went for that burger, I did. It cost me an absolute fortune, worth every penny. Uh, but yeah, so if you haven't been to Seven Bone. I said I'm not too sure. I think it's a chain. I think there's quite a few dotted around the UK. Um, if you haven't been there, food is definitely delightful. But yeah, make sure you get the Bone Idols uh, Funland. Beautiful, beautiful beer, and I genuinely can't recommend it enough. Absolutely fantastic. Right. Well, I suppose we better move on to uh, you know me talking about some random crap, shall we? So, autumn has definitely come with a vengeance. So we hit the end of September. Now, after months and months of intensely warm weather, you know, I've literally lived in shorts for the past five months. And, you know, even then, sometimes I felt I felt like I've been overdressed. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, it, the cold weather has come crashing in quite a lot. Um, obviously, I'm not, not too sure what it's like elsewhere in the world, but the UK is definitely feeling the change because it's been quite dramatic and quite quick. Uh, it's kind of... Autumn has definitely arrived. You've got the, you know, the darker days coming, 
a lot more wetter, a lot more... Throughout the days, the temperature isn't too bad, but the nighttime cold crashes, you, you can really, really feel. And you can get caught out if you haven't planned well enough as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a strange. But on top of that as well, uh, of course, the whole world has imploded with the financial system. So I'm not going to go political. So don't worry about that before you, you know, start turning off. Um, you know, but the world just seems to have gone mad, really, when it comes to, um, you know, Fuel bills, gas, electric, petrol's back on the rise, or gasoline if you're in the US. Um, you know, everyday living just seems to have gone up. So, you know, your food bills, um, cost of clothing, everything just seems to, like, you know, gone crazy. So, a lot of people, including ourselves as well, you kind of look at ways in which you can, uh, you know, reduce how much you're spending. So, we've kind of to help with the night times of the cold weather, to try and stay off, like putting our central heating on, we bought a oil-filled radiator, which we use to help keep the boys' room a little bit warmer. Um, I've got two young children, you know, both under the age of five. You know, you don't want to get them cold and they can start getting like, you know, uh, bad chests or anything like that. So using that to kind of stave it off. Our room, you know, thick duvet, some extra pajamas, that'll do perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, it just means that generally sticking that on it's you know a fraction of the cost is if you're sticking the gas central heating on but also one thing which seems to have gone a crazy gone absolutely crazy just across the whole of uk i think it may have even gone further as well um air fryers now i've got to be honest up until maybe three weeks ago the i hadn't even contemplated having an air fryer i you know i've seen them advertising you know, like eh, people rant about them but i'm like it's just a pointless toy for me. What what was the need of it? Now, of course, with the cost of living going through the roof, people have kind of realised that, you know, the air fryers, you can still do the same things as you would do in an oven, but for the fraction of the cost. So, and also, you know, fairly convenient as well. So, my wife decided to, she wanted to have a look at some of the Ninja products. So of course, Ninja is, I'd probably say, the biggest air fryer brand. If not, it'd be something like Tefal or Philips. But the main one that people tend to mention when it comes to air fryers is Ninja, especially in the UK. Um, and we quite like the idea of having one of those like double basket ones so you can do you know, different meals at the same time um, or cook different style things at the same time. And it seemed like quite a good idea. However, sold out absolutely everywhere. <laughs> the chances of actually getting your hands on one is like... I think gold is easy to find at the moment. So you can tell how popular these things have got. Um, even like the normal uh, style air fryers just seem to have like, disappeared and they're, they're very, very difficult to get hold of. So what I was doing, um, as I do, as people who listen regularly, I do like to go venture on the internet and see what I can uh, find out. So I started watching quite a lot of reviews um, and I was having a look on Amazon, mainly because, you know, at least it's a one-stop shop and you'll find all sorts of weird and wonderful ones. Sometimes you can find yourself a bargain. And... Um, I come across this band called uh, a band, a brand called Kasori. Um, never heard of it. Um, well, what the hell is this? Started watching some of the uh, reviews that you can get online, and a lot of people are actually recommending it because even above the likes of the Philips, mainly for the size and just convenience of it, and also the price. I'm like, okay, so I managed to have a look on Amazon and found one hundred pounds for like a five and a half liter drum. Which for a family of four, which we are, 
Well, you know what? For £100, it's got to be worth a bash, a bash I should say. Um, unfortunately, I managed to get an offer like through Amazon where you like, paid like £20 a month. I was like, actually, you know what? At that price, I've wasted more on that on like, crap beer, so <laughs> it's got to be worth a punt. So we bought one, and I've got to be honest, I now understand what the hype is about them. They are so simple to use, so easy. If you're hungry, you can literally just press the button, you pre-eat it in a couple of minutes, throw some food in, do whatever you want to, work, talk, play, do whatever you want. 15 minutes, come back, it's ready to go. Whack it on your sandwich or, you know, chuck it on a plate with a bit of veg. Easy as Larry. You know, I, I, <laughs> I can't believe, like, literally, how um, air fryers have actually become such a massive conversation. I mean, when I'm at work... Um, the majority of us, I'd say, are around kind of like early to middle-aged. We have got younger people in our team as well. Um, you know, but as a general rule, <laughs> the majority of the things are, you know, cost of your food bills, having like young kids, or, you know, something like air fryers where, oh, this is quite good. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Or, you know, I know it's a sad way of living, but you do get to a point in life where this becomes quite a norm. Um, but yeah, when it come, does come to the air fryers, I've genuinely, in particularly the Kasori one, so there's a Kasori one, so that's 5.5 litre or 5.8 litre is the one I've had, and I genuinely, genuinely can't knock it at all. Um, so if you are, if you are finding things a little bit tough, you haven't got £100 to spend, you need to start cutting back on your bills. Actually, if you need to use the oven a, a lot, that may actually work for you. Now, I say £100 up front is is a bit steep especially at the moment but 20 pound a month over like five months you know that's if it's saving you more than that just by the cooking aspect it's got to be worth a look at you don't have to have that brand i said that's just the personal one that i've come across i'm not as as always with all these type of things i'm not sponsored it is solely on my life experience of what i uh, have seen i think it's a cracking little machine if you found something else or something else has got a recommendation have a look. There's literally nothing to lose at this particular point. But what I would say is the hype around air fryers is a genuine one. And actually, I would say it's quite a good thing to look into. So if you are struggling money and you've got kids, you need to keep it all simple, easy, fast. Definitely have a look at it because I, I genuinely don't think you'll be disappointed. Now, I suppose that's uh, that was quite sensible and boring of me, really, wasn't it? Uh, what I probably should do is finish. Thank you very much. Uh, what I should do is finish some, uh, finish this beer, and then we can move on to the uh, Peter Falk for the episode. So yes, quick recap: the tried and tested is uh, Bone Idols Funland from uh, Phantom Brew Co. You find them in Seven uh, Bone Eateries. Cracking, cracking beer. Well recommended. Right. So the Peter Falk for this episode. Uh, is a, basically an Aldi and Goose Island collaboration. So this is one. As soon as I saw this advertising, I'm like, I want it. Uh, so this is called Goose on the Loose, and it's an Indian Pale Lager. So it's 5%. Oh, I didn't tell you the, the percentage of the fun bonus, did I? Uh, possibly because I can't see it, I don't think. Oh, 5.2, that was. So this one's 5%. Uh, and the description is refreshing and fruity. Now, anybody who's a regular listen, like listener to the podcast knows I love an IPL. I think it's got a nice balance of having that IPA taste, but the drinkability of a lager works perfectly for me. Um, on the can, we've got another world needs exploring. 
From a pine forest paradise and a beach full of peach to home in Aldi's Middle Isle, this golden IPL mixes it all to a, create a crisp, fruity lager with a hoppy taste of an IPA. Dry hopped with mosaic, cascade and amarillo hops for a peachy pine aroma with a hint of malty biscuit and a refreshing finish. It's marked as easy drinking, fresh and fruity and clear as day. So actually, to be fair, when it comes to the craft beer scene, that's that can has actually given us quite a lot of information because on a regular basis we've got absolutely jack all to work with. Um, so on the look, to be honest, looks exactly like a lager. You wouldn't even tell if it was anything different just by the sheer look to it. There's no haziness, no nothing. It is literally just a clean, crisp-looking lager. On the aroma, though, I say. I know what they mean about the pine. There's a very, I mean, it's very subtle, very, very minute. But that pine scent is slightly there, but I can't pick up any of the peach. Now, that may just be my nose and the fact I don't particularly like peaches, but uh, I can't can't pick that element up. I'm just going to take a quick swig. Right, okay. So... It's got the smoothness of a lago as you would expect. Um, if you didn't have obviously the the hops or anything involved with it, it would literally has that normal lager texture, nothing special about it at all. Now I get the initial part of the peach, um, which again I have said previously I'm not a huge fan of peach as a flavour. However, you know some people do like it, and then after that you get you get the hoppiness. Now, there's no real defining hop flavour I can pick up, but there is just a hoppiness there. Now, it's not overpowering, but it is more along along the lines of a, like a, a traditional IPA where you do get the, the bite a bit more at the end. It's not as, obviously, full-on as a normal IPA, but it is just a... It's there, but it's not over... It's not in your face, really. I'm just going to take another quick swig so if I can pick up anything else. Okay, so this time around, uh, again, bit of the peach, a little bit more of the pine um, taste I've picked up. Not huge, just a little bit. And again, followed with that that subtle bitterness. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's not the best IPL I've ever had in my life. Um, I am a big fan of IPLs. I think they're a massively underrated genre of the craft beer scene. But when it comes to... Goose on loose. I was, it is drinkable. It is enjoyable. But it's not... For me personally, maybe because it's the peach element, I'm not too sure. However, it's not one that I would say I'm desperate to buy a whole case of them, you know. Uh, which is a little, like, little bit of a shame, really, because Goose Island as a company, I think, makes some absolutely beautiful beers. Makes some standard ones as well. Um, I, don't know, I think this had an... I think this may have focused a bit more on price rather than the flavour aspect. I mean, they may have been able to push that more to like two pound a can and get a little bit more, just something extra about it, just to make it that little bit different. But then again, that might be just the flavour that profile that they were looking for. Who knows? But yeah, so that's Goose on the Loose by Goose Island, which is an Aldi special, and you can get it there at the moment. Right. I suppose I'm going to be serious again, really, aren't I? So, um, I'm doing the sports section a little bit earlier this time. So, the... Obviously, the big news over the last couple of weeks since the last time I did a podcast is 
rugby in the West Midlands has gone into quite big turmoil. So for anybody who's not really following it, um, Worcester Warriors were initially handed a um, bill by the HMRC, so Revenue and Customs, for £8 million, and they had about 16 days or something to pay it. Um, that deadline uh, elapsed on this Monday at 5pm. Uh, they didn't pay it, so essentially what has happened is Worcester Warriors have been kicked out of the Gallagher Premiership, so the top level of the rugby. Uh, at the moment, they're not allowed to play any games. Uh, and I believe from that point, there was given a two-week deadline to pay all their players on the squad. If they don't pay those players, then those players are legally allowed to terminate that contract and go elsewhere. Now, as someone, I am, I've always said straight away, I'm a Leicester Tigers fan. I do not hide that. <laughs> as I say, for regular listeners, you're fully aware I'm a Leicester Tigers fan. Now, but I have been to uh, Worcester to watch uh, Tigers play. Um, I actually think it's a lovely little stadium. It's got a lovely feel to it. Um, yes, it's not a huge ground or anything like that, but it is a nice place to be. It's just a nice environment. So the fact that not only the local community has lost, may not permanently, but for at least for the moment has lost that element. And also, even if, because no, now they've gone into administration as a result of the HMRC bill, um, even if they do manage to get a buyer to you know, get the club back up, the fact they've entered the administration means they're automatically relegated to the championship anyway. So that means it's harder to get top bill players to come and play for you. You also don't get as high attendances because, you know, the teams are smaller. You know, so it does have a bigger knock-on effect anyway. So whoever takes over the club is going to have that issue of essentially trying to steer a sinking ship whilst it's, you know, whilst there's icebergs still around, I suppose, so to speak. Can't really think of a better analogy of that, but we get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Um, ultimately, though, um, I think it's a terrible, terrible shame it's a cracking little club, and to be honest, there's been some great players that have come uh, from their youth setup. Yes, they've generally moved on to other teams, but I think that it, it has always had a a nice family feel to it, and there has they have always like helped bring up younger players. So I think, it's, and they also got the like the women's game as well. You know, they have it, there's knock on effects all over from this. So the fact that it has got to stage where administration at the moment there there is people that are potentially buying the club. But, of course, until it gets closer to the end, we won't know what the stipulations of those are. At least with the bright side, though, with the administrators being in rather than the current owners, generally they will make the decision that is better for the club rather than trying to be greedy. So there is still light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just hoping it's not somebody on a bike. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, Wasps uh, also <laughs> are in trouble with... HMRC, so their bill is slightly smaller, so their bill is just over £2 million I believe um, but again, they struggle to get the money to pay it at the moment, I believe they're on a uh, time restriction, which again I think is 16 days, so if they don't find the money for that uh, within a couple of weeks, there is actually potential for um, Wasps to go into administration, now they have already announced that they've appointed administrators but that doesn't mean it's the same as going into administration. 
So they've been quite clever in this respect. So by appointing administrators to try and get this sorted means you can kind of get the some fi- external financial help, you know, and some clarity about where they're going to go, but without the detriment of losing your main income, which of course is bums on seats. But also, what if you do get to the stage where wasps do go into administration, they will be in the exact same position as Worcester, so they will end up with um, relegation, uphill battle, um, and then you know struggle to find keep hold of the players and also to move back up and draw in new players. I, at the moment, feel that Wasps are potentially in the worst position out of the two clubs. Main reason being, uh, although technically at the moment, based on the current situation, Worcester are the worst ones, I think they are better suited to recover from a season in the Championship. They've done it before, you know, and they can do it again, providing they haven't got greedy owners trying to fleece the club dry. Uh, It could just be a knock-on effect of... You know, COVID as well, or you know, different circumstances. But I don't know. There's a little bit of hmm, where all where has all this money gone? You know, so it does make me concerned about that. Wasps on the flip side. I think the biggest problem is how much they owe. So although it's such a smaller bill for HMRC, I believe the overall debt for Worcester is something like twenty eight million, twenty eight point six million, something like that. Which I think is only actually like the third high, like the third smallest debt overall in the whole of the Gallagher Premiership. Like Leicester Tigers have actually got a higher debt than that. I think there's like 32 million, but they get more bums on seats. So again, yeah, you can kind of counteract it that way. Wasps, however, I think their total debt is something like 113 million. Now, a lot of that, to be honest, is the refinancing of the stadium. So, you know, you can't say, well, at least the money is in equity in the actual building itself. However, they keep on having problems with Coventry City, the football club, who are their tenants, because of the quality of the pitch, um, because there was a lot of rugby tournaments and things like that over the summer, the pitch was destroyed, and the pitch is in such a bad state that the footballers can't play due to health reasons. You know, people could get seriously injured and even end their careers on it. So they're missing games left, right and centre, um, which of course, if you're not playing games, why are you going to pay your bill? Uh, the more the turmoil goes on with Wasps as a rugby club, potential for less people to turn up, you know, and also, you're probably going to get more reliant then on events such as like the Commonwealth Games where the Rugby Sevens was held as well. So, I don't know. Um, I think if Wasps did go into administration, I think they would actually be more likely to struggle long term than Worcester. I could be wrong, but I think it's just solely down to the sheer volume of outstanding debt versus how much you can bring in because you need somebody with some serious financial backing to try and at least keep them afloat for a couple of years while they you know, re-establish themselves essentially hopefully in hindsight this will be a case of both teams come out of it you know, they all learn from mistakes and actually they bring rugby as a whole forward in the West Midlands worst outcome personally you know, I don't really want to think about that um, mainly because rugby is such a massive part of my life Um Throughout periods of my life, I mean, especially as an adult, I've struggled with a lot of mental health issues, which, you know, some of you are aware of. You know, I don't go into, because this, you know, this is my uh, hobby, my fun. But 
rugby has always been one of the things that it's rescued me from you know a downward spiral more than once uh and it has done again recently so you know with my uh coaching and you know my family playing and stuff so rugby is always a special sport because you have that com- like camaraderie and everybody's welcome and you know everybody's there to have fun drink beer have food have play have a laugh Nobody takes it too seriously unless you get to top, top levels. But, you know, you kind of expect that when there's so much money riding on it. But I think anybody, if they, you know, if you are struggling, if you're unhappy about things, you haven't got enough friends or, you know, actually you're stuck in a rut because, you know, money's tight or whatever, look at your local rugby club, see if you can get involved with some stuff. You know, a lot of clubs actually, even if you're just like volunteering or whatever, you can meet friends, you can have a laugh. I'd recommend it to everybody, and I'm, I'm to be honest, I still do. I think earlier today, I'm talking to people about you know getting them to sign up and come and play. There's like kids and stuff. I just think it benefits everything, fitness wise, friendship wise. I think it's an amazing, spe- like you know, special sport. And that the fact that we could potentially lose two big clubs from the region, I find genuinely, genuinely sad. But hopefully, you know, it, hopefully they'll all come through okay, and actually we can develop the sport that I love, love so much. Right, let's very quickly finish the Peter Falk, which is the Goose Island. Bear with me a moment. Get that on Aldi at the moment. I think it's about £1.49. Not a bad price. But it has got an element of you do get what you pay for. Right. So, moving on to around the world for this episode. I thought we'd go back to Belgium, because we haven't done Belgium for a while, have we? So, this one is called Pirat. Now, we have done some Pirat ones, but not the. this is not just the traditional, original one. I think we did some of the specials or something like that. So I can't remember off the top of my head because I'm getting a very old man. But this one is all in, you know, Belgian. I haven't got a clue what it says. So, oh, no, no, there is some English. It's high, ferment- high fermentation blonde beer enhanced with secondary fermentation has full hearty aroma, the perfect bittersweet balance and a pleasant aftertaste. <laughs> so, there is some English on this one. I stand corrected, I do apologise in advance. So, uh, this one is the very delicate ABV of 10.5%. So, I'm expecting to... It's one of those ones, it's either going to be like rocket fuel or a dangerous beer that you can keep on drinking and then all of a sudden you can't, you know, can't figure out why your legs aren't working anymore. So, on the look, it says it's a blonde beer, but it is more like a ambery colour um, I should say that's probably for the double fermentation to be completely honest um, but yeah it, it the slight haste to it but nothing ma- like major um, on the aroma it just smells like a anybody who like, drinks Belgian ales it just smells like one of those not one of the massively pungent ones but it just smells like a more delicate version of one of those. They've got a unique kind of wheaty kind of um, smell and taste. Of, not like a full-on wheat beer, but there's a, that kind of subtle undertone. And that's definitely there with this one. So, right, there's only one thing for it though, isn't there? Let's uh, have a swig, shall we? Oh, you can taste the strength in that one. Oh, that'll put it as any tongue. Right. It's that type of thing, so... When you have these type of beers, there's a slight kind of wheat... Obviously, there's wheat involved, so a slight kind of wheaty undertone flavour. It's not the main predominant flavour. But with that, I always pick up a kind of very subtle, 
banana flavour. I don't know if anybody else gets that. But when it comes to those type of beers, that's always a kind of sort of laughter taste that I pick up from it. Can't really get much apart from the slight bitterness from, you know, fermentation. Um, a little bit of sweetness, which I'm assuming is coming from like the wheat and that kind of like banana-y sense. Uh, but generally, it's just, I would say that's a fairly stereotypical Belgian beer. Yeah. You can get the bitterness, but when you've got the 10.5, you always can get that bitterness. If not, then there's something seriously, seriously wrong. Yeah, that kind of wheaty flavour. Overall, considering it's 10.5, it doesn't taste 10.5. You can tell it's a strong beer, but it doesn't taste as... There's not that kind of, like, you know, barley wine kind of aspect at all. Um, but yeah, it is it is strangely enjoyable. But it all depends on how much you like Belgian ales. I think they're an acquired taste. When I first started drinking, I was like, what the hell is this crap? But as we've gone through and we found, you know, different kind of styles and beers, you know, I some of them actually are very pleasant. And I, can't, I think kind of ripped them off a little bit too early. But it is what we do. Right. So what I'm also going to talk about is I mentioned on the last uh, episode that I was doing a charity walk for uh, Acorns Children's Hospice uh, up Mount Snowden uh, through my work. Now... You know, a couple of people have messaged me about, like, you know, having a link to it and, you know, what we're doing. I haven't, I haven't actually set the page up myself. One of my colleagues has. Uh, I have added it to the link tree information. So, on all my social media pages, it's one of the top ones at the moment. Because a couple of people have mentioned about donations. I put it on there. Obviously, you know, things are tight. I'm not expecting people to start, you know, spending lots of money. If you can spare a little bit. It is more than appreciated because, you know, these people are going to be going through a very, very hard time, um, you know, and my work are going to double everything that we make as well. So anything to try and benefit my people in need, for me, is always um, always a winner. Now, I personally picked the Acorns charity. Um, a lot of you would have followed me over the last kind of year and a half. Um, there was a big thing where my nephew was diagnosed with cancer um, in January 2021. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his uh, battle in uh, October 2021. So we are approaching his uh, one-year uh, anniversary of his death. And he did actually pass away in the Acorns um, in Warsaw. Now, I never really thought much about Acorns. It's one of the ones, like, people have mentioned it a lot throughout... Like my life, oh, I can't. They're a good charity. They're a good charity. I suppose a lot of it, it comes to a stage where, unless you have any direct impact from them or anything you can actually witness firsthand, it's kind of easy to go, oh yeah, whatever. Um, but actually going there as a visitor, um, what they do for families with extremely, extremely ill children. And obviously terminal in some cases as well, which was obviously my nephew's um, position. They just go above and beyond. So, you know, making sure that the care is absolutely perfect, not just for the children, but also for the families that are there that are struggling with everything. There's we When we went there, um, because uh, it, we knew that my nephew wasn't going to make his third birthday, uh, they made a special birthday uh, party for him. Yes, he was, you know, obviously you know, there was a lot of uh, drugs involved for him, so he didn't really get a lot involved. But, you know, his cousins were there, like my children. 
Um, other children from the actual Acorns uh, were there. And actually there was like, you know, there was fun, there was parties, there was music, there was cakes, there was drinks. And you're like, actually, in a situation where things are really difficult and things can really be, you know, massively overwhelming in a, in a lot of aspects... These people are going out their way, not just to, you know, okay, this is a ticker box. They go out their way to make these kids feel special. And, you know, they go above and beyond and, you know, the kids love it. And, you know, they, at no point does it feel like the kids are being made to feel like, you know, a, like as a charity case or, you know, as second class citizens just because they have like issues. They, the work they do there was absolutely amazing. And I, I say, I literally can't praise them enough. I genuinely can't. And up until that point, I never really had a direct connection to them. And I think that's the difference when it comes to charity. You you can only ever really recommend things that you know are good. And you always have that element sometimes of what are these people doing with the money? You know, what are, they, what are these big charities that are on TV? What what are they spending all this money on? How many CEOs have they got? How much other money's been, you know? taken out of it i suppose that's just a natural maybe just a british thing really it's kind of just a hesitance to you know what they're actually doing with it whereas i think when you have that first-hand appeal and that first-hand connection with things it's far easier to go actually the money that we put in here even if there is there's obviously people going to be paid from it and stuff but actually those people are dedicated to the cause they're they are part of the environment that actually is important for the charity. I think no, some people are happy, obviously, to, like, to give to any charity going, but I think it's just, you know, when it's more personalised, obviously I did the charity head shave last year for Birmingham Children's Hospitals. My nephew was there at that particular point. This year I'm doing acorns. I'm probably going to do another one around this time next year anyway. But I think it's... Um, you know, it's all making sure that these pla- the these places that actually did help do get a the acknowledgement and also the appreciation from you know families that are genuinely touched by them that actually we haven't just overlooked all the like the special effort that they've done. So yeah, that's the reason why I picked that. So there's no obligation for anybody if they do want to donate. It is on my link tree on all my social media pages. Please feel free to have a look. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway because for me. It's an important thing I need to do as part of a recovery, I suppose, really. Um, but also, as a part of that, uh, it's also triggered me to start doing like exercises. So, because we're walking up Snowdon, that recommend it's going to be about, I think it was a six-mile walk up the mountain there and back, and about, no, nine-mile walk, six hours there and back. So, what I did in preparation is I've started walking, ironically enough. So, my wife got me an Apple Watch for my birthday, uh, which has come in handy because it helps you track like you know track how many steps you've done how much distance you've done the time frames that you've been doing so the first week i started training which was about what three weeks ago i think um during that week i did over 50 miles in walking <laughs> so i kind of went from very little to a lot uh i've toned it down for a couple of weeks since but I've, I've been keeping doing that um you know keeping up the pace doing good walks every day and to be honest, my fitness my health my mentality has actually felt a lot better so I'm kind of glad I've done it because it kind of it, it's triggered something inside me really, um, but yes, yeah, but walking I walk to to and from work, so you know generally walking to and from work is probably just over five and a half uh, miles there and back, uh, nothing major, but 
you know, again, it's simple things. It saves me money, makes me feel better, and you know, also, I burn off more calories, which means I can put them back on with beer. So surely, overall, it's got to be a win-win situation. But yeah, actually, anybody actually needs to wants to start, you know, getting healthy, getting fitter, and they're on a bit, oh, boot camp, or oh, I'll go to Slimming World, or oh, I'll, you know, get a pure gym. Why? Start walking. It's cheap. Well, actually, it's free. It's good for you. And actually, it just gives you it benefits over everything. And I kind of, I think I forgot how good it makes you feel, really. Um, but no, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm, no, I'm really looking forward to doing this. And I don't think it's going to stop after Snowdown. I think I'm going to carry on. I'm probably going to start doing like, other crazy walks instead. But uh, yeah, anybody who actually wants to do something a little bit different, get yourself a raincoat, get some walking. Simple thing, but it makes you feel so much better. Right, that's my uh, weirdness finished for that little bit. So what I'll do is I'll quickly neck the around the world and we get on to the wild card. So the wild card for this episode is from Northern Monk and it's called Honor, which is a West Coast triple IPA. This is also 10.5%. So apparently I'm going very much for the big guns. <laughs> So the blurb on the back is dank, sticky West Coast tipper, hopped with brew one, strata and citra for pine and orange flavours, and tinned pineapple notes. No, I suppose it gives me a bit more blurb than uh, you know what some of these ones do. Now, I haven't had this before either, so it's just one of the ones I thought had that strength. It's got to be worth at least having a try, especially because of the fact it's I've done. I haven't had many tippers at all, so, you know, triple IPAs. Not always a huge fan of the West Coasts either, so I thought, you know what, as a wild card, it's got to be worth a blast, hasn't it? So, on the look, it is quite golden in colour. This one's not particularly hazy, but then again, it may have just settled quite a lot on the bottom of the can, so I'm sure it'll bite me later. Uh, very subtle fruity tones on the aroma. A little bit more of the piney and the hoppiness, I think. Yeah, sort of tint of orange on the nose, I think. Right, let's go in. Hmm. So, strangely, that's one of those ones. You take a sip of it, and the first thing I'm getting is the orange. It then gets followed up with a, a pineapple flavour, and then obviously follows up after that with the hoppiness. So there is a kind of stage to it. So if you if you like the ones a little bit more complex this actually may work quite nicely for you um i think that's pretty much all i can really say which is quite surprising i thought there'd be a lot more about it in that respect as like as a complexity rather than you know i'm not saying it's you know simple and boring definitely not but i was expecting a little bit more confusion to it i suppose yeah so straight in with the fruit then you get the pine then you get the that hoppiness at the end Overall, I think uh, that's pleasantly surprising, I think we should say. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really much more I can say about it, to be honest. Right, now it has come to that time where we have to pick an order. Now, there is no overall bad ones or you know anything that's a standard of, ooh, I would not drink that again. So they're actually all quite close. In fourth place, I would put the Pirat, though. So, obviously, I'm not a huge fan of the Belgian ales. Um, it is quite pleasant to drink, 
But in comparison with the other ones I've pitched it against, I think it's just that it hasn't got enough about it for me in order for it to be something special. Um, in third place, I'm going to go... It's very close, but I'm going to go for the honour from Northern Monk. Very pleasant. Um, you know, far more enjoyable than I expected it to be. But again, each one of those ones, uh, yeah, the strength is there. But it's not one I would run necessarily to, to go, oh yeah, I'll definitely have that again. Um, very close in second place. I mean, I'd, it's only slightly separated between the two. Is the Goose on a Loose. So the... IPL from Goose Island, which is the Aldi special. It actually is an enjoyable drink. Could benefit from a little bit more complexity, which maybe comes from a different price point. Um, you know, but if you've never had an IPL before, or if you're only just starting and getting into the craft beers, worth a try. You've lost nothing. I say one pound fifty, cracking price. Um, I think it just needs a little bit more just to make it that little bit special. But of course, number one. Clear winner, as in not even close, I'm afraid. Uh, Bone Idols Funland from uh, Phantom Bruco. Find it in Seven Bone. Absolute stunner of a beer. They need to get that far more widespread than just the restaurants because that is a cracking, cracking drink. And I will happily have it at anybody who's got it. So if anybody goes to Seven Bone, you've got to bring me at least a can back. Just point it out there right away. Okay, well, thank you very much for spending your time with me again. Um, it was just me, but hopefully it's not just boring. Hopefully I've uh, kept you entertained at least. Um, I am talking to people about um, guesting though, so hopefully there might be somebody else to go along with my voice soon. Uh, we've definitely got one person very keen to do one, uh, and also potential for somebody else as well. So hopefully we can get at least two guests done before the end of the year. So that'll be a nice little treat for you, won't it? Uh, but right, but thank you very much for spending your time with me. I say all my links to the charity are on the link tree on my social media pages. Any recommendations or anything that you think ooh, I'd like him to talk about or a review or any beers that you want me to get included, as usual, on the link tree, you can send me an email or you can simply just send me a message via social media and I can pick it up that way. Well, thank you very much for your time. Look after yourself and you know, don't get too cold and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.